This is MuggleCast, the Harry Potter podcast discussing everything about J.K. Rowling's wizarding world. Welcome to MuggleCast episode 354. I'm Andrew. I'm Micah. And uh, Eric should be here, but he apparently seems to have overslept or was murdered or something. We honestly don't know. He's not responding. So, you know, pray for Eric. Hopefully he will show up at some point during the show today. But we do have a guest this week, one of our patrons. Ken, welcome to the show. Thank you. Excited to be here. (laughs) Podcasting from uh, Boston, where it's in the teens today, huh? It is. It's a little chilly here. Okay. Uh, Maybe that's what happened to Eric. He froze to death. Are you excited uh, for the Super Bowl? Are you a football fan, Patriots? I can't say I'm a big football fan, but... I am torn because my family's all from Philadelphia, but I live in Boston, so oh. it's a split for for both sides, I guess. Mm. And Andrew, Philly, right? I'm I'm Philly. I'm rooting for the Eagles. Well, you're from you from Jersey, so you have to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I am too. I'm I'm a Jets fan, so I do not like the Patriots. Fair enough. <laughs> so it makes it very easy. But I mean, the Patriots have won too many times already. So who wants them to win anyway? I know the Eagles have it coming. Yeah, yeah, they better win. Wow, this is the straightest discussion we've ever had on MuggleCast. Uh, let's get back to Harry You're Potter. <laughs> Mike has been waiting for this moment for 13 years. <laughs> uh, let's get your fandom ID, Ken. Uh, what, what are your favorite Harry Potter book and movie? Okay, so for book and movie, it's both the Half-Blood Prince. For book, second place is kind of Order of the Phoenix. They're both just really, I guess, Half-Blood Prince is where it all starts to get explained and you get more details. Plus, the whole Dumbledore at the end section is just, it's a great book. Yeah. What are your Ilvermorny and Hogwarts houses? So, Hogwarts, I'm a Ravenclaw. Ilvermorny, I'm a Puck Wedgie. Is that a good combo? I guess so. I'm not sure. I feel like a lot of people tend to match up, but I guess Puck Wedgie is pretty common. So, yeah. Yeah. it's fine. What's your Patronus as decided by Pottermore? Pottermore let me know that it was a white stallion. I honestly don't know much about it, but uh-huh. <laughs> we'll go with Most it. Most people know nothing about their Patronus. We have a big article on Hypable with a list of all the Patronuses, and we get so many people searching for, like, what does white stallion Patronus mean? Yeah, I Googled it, and it was pretty vague. I guess there's a lot of kind of like mythological references to white stallions as far as like warriors and the sun god and things like that but i don't know (laughs) do you have a favorite piece of harry potter merchandise that that you own well since it's 12 degrees here i'm gonna have to go with my ravenclaw scarf but as you were kind of mentioning i think it was last week you talked about the understated harry potter merchandise i'm a big fan of those pieces so i have like a ravenclaw tie that i'll wear to work sometimes and Oh, nice. It kind of flies under the radar, but every once in a while, someone will be like, is that? And you're like, it is. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a Globus Mundi sweater yet? They're all the rage. I do not. I, <laughs> I'm i going to the theme park this summer, so maybe oh, I'll pick good. one up. Yeah, yeah, good. What's your favorite book cover, getting back to our discussion from a couple weeks ago? Order of the Phoenix is my favorite one. Oh, okay. That's kind of interesting that your favorite book and movie are Half-Blood Prince, but not favorite cover. Yeah, I'm a big fan of blues, so blue uh, cover. It's all very, yeah. I don't know, soothing. <laughs> Hashtag monochromatic. Yes. And uh, this relates to our discussion later 
in today's episode. Who is your favorite LGBTQ character in the Harry Potter series? Well, since none actually existed in the text, um, I'm going to have to go with Scorbus, and I'm going to stand by it. Um, they were they were meant to be. Yeah. That was a trick question. I was expecting you to say Dumbledore, and then I was going to be like, oh, me too. That's so crazy. No, Scorbus. But you're right. They don't exist in the text. No. All after the fact. And related to that, who was your favorite explicitly straight relationship in the series? I mean, there's so many to choose from. How can you choose? But uh, I guess I'd say Tonks and Remus. They're pretty cute. All right. Well, welcome to the show. It's nice to have you here. Thanks for your support. Of course. And uh, yeah, we're going to talk about this Dumbledore drama that happened. I will tell our listeners now, I'm not going to be as critical as you might think. I have cooled off on the issue over the past couple days after reflecting on it more and seeing J.K. Rowling's responses. But there are things to be concerned about, and we'll talk about those later. First, there really wasn't any news over the past week after celebration of Harry Potter, but there was one of these annual Harry Potter book nights that occurred, I think mostly in England, and Bloomsbury announced that the Harry Potter series has now sold a certain number of books worldwide. Would you two like to guess what that number is? I'll let you go first, Micah. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to be way off. <laughs> I'm guessing it's in the millions. It has to be in the millions. <laughs> well, I would hope so. Hundreds of millions? Probably. Yes. I'm going to go with 540 million. I'll go with 300 million. Just to keep it interesting. Yeah, Ken or Micah was closest. It's 500 million. They hit that milestone. But I went over, so Ken wins. Yeah, all Price right. Is right. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's pretty crazy, I guess. Is that including audiobooks or? Uh, no, I think it's print. Okay. I mean, it's not as big as like the Bible, but we're getting up there. Think of all the trees that were destroyed in the making of Harry Potter. Well, I bet that includes Kindle as well. Harry Potter still has a ways to go before catching up to the Bible. Well, the Bible's been around a little longer, too. Yeah. Just a few years. But according to this informational, this infographic I'm looking at, Harry Potter is like the most popular book ever in print besides the Bible. And this other one, quotations from Chairman Mao Zedong. Mao Zedong. Are you being serious? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was oh, okay. the ruler. Oh, see, I don't, I didn't know that. Okay, congrats to Harry Potter. But I do wonder how many of these are duplicate owners. Like, how many? So I feel like maybe fifty million of that five hundred million are copies of the book sitting in a house that already has copies of a book, right? Because we all buy multiple copies. Yeah, probably. That's a good point. If you think about the seven book series, then how many people own the adult edition from the UK? How many own the kids edition from the UK? Right. And then hardcover versus paperback and the list could go on and on. Yeah, and you look at the popularity of the illustrated editions. I would love to know the stats like one in five people who read the original series are buying the illustrated series or something like that. All right. So just some interesting information I wanted to share. Congrats to Harry Potter. Maybe they should put a Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone in every hotel room around the world. You know how there's a Bible 
in the desk of every hotel room. Why not put a copy of Harry Potter in there? That'd be perfect. Then I have can stop packing mine. <laughs> exactly. Andrew, you, I think you should start the trend. Every time you go down to Orlando and stay at one of the Universal Resorts, I think you should just leave a book in the hotel room that you stay. Put it on top of the Bible. <laughs> if Michael Kess is willing to put up the money to buy these books that I distribute in every hotel room I, fi- I stay in, then I yes. I think Scholastic I should sponsor you in this. <laughs> but you think about it, like, there have been studies showing that people who read Harry Potter learn empathy, are smart, make the world a better place. I think it would help the world if there's a copy of Harry Potter in every hotel room. And that's going to lead probably into our next discussion. Yes, but um, first I just want to mention there's a uh, movement going on in the live stream over at Patreon right now. We are starting the prayers for Eric hashtag as we wonder where he is. Before we get to our news this week, Micah, we have a uh, sponsor. Yeah. Before we continue, uh, we'd like to let you know that this week's episode is being brought to you by Bright Sellers. Have you ever tried an Accio spell without any luck? Well, now's your chance to really make some magic happen. Bright Cellars is the personalized wine service that allows you to summon four bottles of wine each month, something even patrons at the Three Broomsticks would be impressed by. Simply visit brightcellars.com slash mugglecast and take an easy seven-question quiz. A little bit of magic will happen based on those answers, and Bright Cellars will show you the four wines that are most likely to match your personal taste. Plus, Valentine's Day is right around the corner. What better way to celebrate? And I can speak from personal experience. The seven-question quiz is really easy to take, maybe a couple minutes of your time, and right afterwards, you get the four wines that best match your taste. The best part is, is that we have charmed 50% off the first month for listeners of MuggleCast. All you have to do is visit brightsellers.com slash MuggleCast to get wine summoned right to your door. That's bright like a light bulb, sellers like a wine seller. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned how many times do you try to use Accio. I legit try to use Accio in the real world. So I'm glad that Bright Sellers is kind of making that work for wine. Definitely. I've witnessed this when I visited you. You've used Accio? No, 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 no. When I was uh, visiting Chicago and we were hanging out, you were playing a game on your Nintendo Switch. You you were trying to use Akio to like get the remote, to get the controller, to do all these things. And I know poor Brooklyn had to get up <laughs> off the couch, retrieve it for you, and bring it back. I mean, that is the best spell in the wizarding world. No? I like it's just so helpful. Fighting a dragon, no problem. Summon your broom from like a mile away. I wasn't I didn't really buy into that. By the I way. didn't either. That was a shortcut, in my opinion. He really needed to have uh prepared better for that first Triwizard task than just summoning the broom. Well, David Yates might be wishing he could summon some uh, better PR people to help him get through interviews. The fandom was shook this week when Entertainment Weekly asked Fantastic Beast director David Yates if Dumbledore's sexuality would be mentioned, included, in this upcoming sequel this November, The Crimes of Grindelwald, he said, quote, not explicitly, but I think all the fans are aware of that. He had a very intense relationship with Grindelwald when they were young men, 
They fell in love with each other's ideas and ideology and each other. He's a maverick and a rebel, and he's an inspiring teacher at Hogwarts. He's witty and has a bit of an edge. He's not this elder statesman. He's a really kinetic guy. And opposite Johnny Depp as Grindelwald, they make an incredible pairing. So, I read this and I was honestly not surprised initially. And then I started seeing other people take notice of these comments. And a lot of the internet was pissed. And then I got pissed. The reason being, at this point in Dumbledore and Grindelwald's quote-unquote friendship, relationship, whatever, they've already fallen apart. Grindelwald's off doing his thing. Dumbledore's now a professor at Hogwarts. Dumbledore's love, in theory, his strongest love for Grindelwald, that has now already passed. So for Dumbledore to come into the Fantastic Beasts series and presumably tell Newt about Grindelwald, about his friendship, about his relationship, to not explicitly mention that he was in love with this guy seems BS. And in this world where we see Hollywood studios shying away from including gay characters in their films to not hurt the box office, you can't help but think that they purposely are cutting it out or delaying it because they don't want to hurt the box office. And it's bullshit (laughs) because J.K. Rowling always preaches inclusion and acceptance. And she's a champion of the LGBT community. So this has upset a lot of people and I don't blame them. Ken, how did you react to this news? I feel like it was kind of a mix. I was definitely initially really annoyed because I just kind of assumed that that was going to be a piece of this kind of film. With I kind of always just imagined that it would be information included with a flashback about Ariana and the fight that went down between everyone and ultimately her death. I guess that could come later in the film, but it just felt really frustrating that it was getting pushed again. But at the same time, I can't say I was surprised because it is just so typical of a lot of movies just to kind of mention it on the side or kind of have an allusion to it without kind of directly addressing it. And the other problem with David Yates's stupid comments, remember, he upset the fandom a couple months ago about Johnny Depp to the point where J.K. Rowling had to release a statement on her website, which she never does. This line, not explicitly, but I think all the fans are aware of that. What? You're saying that you don't have to include it in the movie because fans already know? That is the biggest piece of nonsense. That is the the stupidest excuse for not including it. Why adapt these into movies at all if the fans know everything because they read the books? Was this his excuse for not including Dumbledore's funeral in Half-Blood Prince? Oh, they already know he was buried. I mean, we don't need to include that. That was just a really poor choice of words. At least for me, it just kind of harkened back to a lot of the, I'm okay with it, I just don't want to hear about it kind of attitude, or I don't want to see it kind of attitude. So it was a little like teeth gritting. Right, right. You know, gay Dumbledore wasn't in the books and movies, but J.K. Rowling wedged it in after Dumbledore's gay and Fantastic Beasts, but fans already know that, so we're not going to include that in the actual movie. So, like I said, there was a lot of backlash on Twitter, and in fact, it J.K. Rowling noticed. A lot of people were coming to her on Twitter asking, what the hell? This is a big mistake. Why are you doing this? She released two statements over two days. 
First of all, she tweeted, being sent abuse about an interview that didn't involve me about a screenplay I wrote, but which none of the angry people have read, which is part of a five movie series that's only one installment in, is obviously tons of fun. But you know what's even more fun? And then she included a gif of somebody hitting mute, meaning she was muting people, abusive people. And look, people should not be abusive to her or to anybody, ever. So while I agree people should not be abusive, well, let me read the second tweet before pointing this, uh, making my point here. Her second tweet was, lucky I have no intention of doing it then, referring to removing Dumbledore's sexuality. Oh, and believing every bit of Potter clickbait? Foolish, just saying, winky face, hashtag Dumbledore, hashtag Fantastic Beasts. So, what sat wrong with me about these tweets is that she's mad at us, and I'm referring to the internet on a whole, for getting mad at her director's comments. It's not our fault he said these things. She shouldn't be... I think we deserve an answer here and something that's not sarcastic and calling content online clickbait. Her director said, no, he's not explicitly going to be gay because fans already know that. Like, that is just a dumb statement. And because it's her director, she should take the high road on this. And I thought she should have at least tweeted or maybe made another post on her website saying, hey, yeah, Dumbledore is going to be gay in these movies. Don't worry about it. It is a five-part series. I'm going to work into it. Right? I mean, I just think she approached this wrong. I think that this was another instance where David Yates probably should have just not said anything. And you know, this goes back to, you referenced it, Andrew, but his comments related to Johnny Depp. And now he's making another comment about Dumbledore's sexuality. And it seems to only lead down a road that causes this negative feedback, and rightly so, in both cases. It's frustrating to see, as you said, the director of a film series, which has created this community that, as you noted here, has traditionally been all about inclusion, all about acceptance of all people from all walks of life. And yet, we see these comments being made and and the reaction, it's saddening. A lot of people are on J.K. Rowling's side as well. I'm seeing somebody in the chat say, why would Dumbledore talk to Newt about his love life? Well, yes, I don't expect Dumbledore to be like, so here's what I've been up to with the boys recently. But I think it's absolutely relevant to this story. Dumbledore and Grindelwald are at odds. Why does Dumbledore have this relationship this bad relationship that he does with Grindelwald in this movie. It stems from this romance. That is why this story is so epic. He has to duel this guy he fell in love with. It's completely relevant to the story. It is relevant to the story, but at the same time, we don't know what is going to be included in these flashback scenes. I think Ken brought that up earlier. Between Dumbledore and Grindelwald, going back to what happened with Ariana, we know that younger versions of both of those characters have been cast. You would think that they're going to explore some of this in those scenes. The other thing that came to mind, too, is is this confrontation between Dumbledore and Grindelwald. It's not coming until presumably the last film. They have a lot of time to be able to build up to this and to create this history between these two characters. You know, I also thought about the fact that Jude Law spent a lot of time with J.K. Rowling learning about Dumbledore. We haven't seen Jude Law yet portray Dumbledore. 
in a way, Dumbledore needs to be reintroduced to the series. So mm. there is still opportunity here for the relationship to come to the forefront. So, Andrew, I'm just interested what you think about that. Yeah, I think J.K. Rowling hinted that too, you know, saying that this is a five-part film series in that tweet. So, yes, I think she will eventually get to it, especially now that there's been so much backlash. However, she announced this in 2007 after the books came out. And there's always been this lingering kind of disappointment. Like, why wasn't... Yes, of course, it wasn't relevant to the Harry Potter stories, but it just... It's like, why does she wedge it in after? Why mention it at all? And then Harry Potter and the Cursed Child happened about two years ago. And as Ken said at the top of this show, you really think that Scorpius and Albus are going to be getting together or at least sort of falling for each other. But then it gets no homo at the end when Scorpius kisses Rose, which just barely makes sense because Rose is barely in the story. So, like, there was that introduction after the books came out. There was Scorbis, and now there's this. It's like it was teed up and ready to go. It would have been so easy to please us, and we need some we need some good news from this series. We need, you know, this is one of the redeeming qualities about Fantastic Beasts and about and this being about Grindelwald. It's that we would see Dumbledore's interest in him. That would interest a lot of fans. So it's just like, why couldn't it happen now? Why are we waiting till 2020? Are we even gonna be alive in 2020? I mean, Eric apparently died overnight like a poor guy he he didn't get to see any of this come to light or maybe we're waiting until 2022 for fantastic beast 4 or maybe movie 5 who the hell knows i just think why are we waiting i mean taking a step back for a second don't you think that it needs to be built up let's say you're coming into this series not having the subtext of the previous relationship not knowing the potter series there are people who i'm sure are seeing fantastic beast that have never seen Harry Potter, that don't listen to these podcasts, that don't know about the history of Dumbledore and Grindelwald, don't you think that it needs to have its proper buildup? I don't think he's saying that it's not going to be included at all. And I think J.K. Rowling validated that part of it a little bit by saying, hey, look, I'm the one writing the script. I know what's in it. This is a five-part movie series. Let's get to that point. Yeah. No, I think it does have to be built up. Like, I don't think Dumbledore should just walk on screen and be like, I love Grindelwald, dude. He was everything to me and he didn't love me back. But there could have been like, you know, Newt, I need to tell you something about Grindelwald. There's a reason why I'm so shook over him. It's because I loved him. And everybody would be like, oh, shoots. <laughs> but don't you still think that can happen? Or, or are you just taking Yates at his word here? I mean, maybe for Fantastic Beasts 2? Not for number two, because I would classify that as being explicitly gay. <laughs> but maybe in this movie, Dumbledore will have a glimmer in his eye when he looks at a photo of Grindelwald or something. And they're going to be like, ew, you like Johnny Depp? <laughs> But yeah, I think the reason I've cooled off on this is because I do look forward to seeing how J.K. Rowling inserts this plot point in future movies. I just wish it was coming sooner because it looks like we still have about two and a half years to wait at best Mm -hmm. before we get explicit comments from Dumbledore talking about his love for Grindelwald. So one question I I did want to ask you was, 
if you could kind of wipe the slate clean here and there's no Yates comment, there's none of this that's going on. And you're looking ahead to Fantastic Beasts, Crimes of Grindelwald. What would you like to see with respect to this particular dynamic, this relationship? Well, first of all, I would have titled the film Fantastic Beasts, The Sexuality of Dumbledore. I think that would draw in a lot more <laughs> listener or viewers. I think exactly what I just said. In a meeting between Dumbledore and Newt, Dumbledore is explaining how he knew Grindelwald. Like you said, we're getting these flashback scenes as well. And just a line, just a line. I loved him. That's it. I really think that's all I would need. And Dumbledore looking a little pained, a little pained in that moment. And Newt being like, oh my God, I know a gay person finally. And then Queenie's like, yes, yes, work. (laughs) How about you, Ken? What would you have liked to see? I mean, I think the best kind of films at this point that are identifying it or are addressing it are the ones where it's it doesn't have to be an explicit plot line of the characters it's just a piece of their makeup and it's not the whole story it's just this is an interesting piece about them but it's just one piece about them so mm-hmm. still having that in there somewhere as a piece of their makeup because it is important to who he is as a character and and the story just having that in there somewhere is important and it would be a huge moment for hollywood this major franchise finally including a gay character openly in the series they would beat star wars they would beat marvel they would beat tolkien world it just would have been incredible star trek in fairness i think they did include something in their most recent film but it wasn't like too heavy-handed but it, it would just be major jk rowling has that power she could make this amazing thing happen. And for some reason, she decided, meh, later. I think what makes it surprising for me is that she is so politically active and so politically minded that she is aware of kind of what's going on in the world and how important it is for not just the gay community, but also all different kinds of underrepresented groups to see themselves in literature and in films and and have that recognition. You were also making a point before the show about the time frame in which this is all taking place and and how that could potentially be playing a role in into all this. Right. You keep in mind the film set in the 1920s, so historically it wouldn't have been something that would have been completely out in the open. It would have been a lot of kind of what works thinking might be coming in this one is those kind of glances and long stares that have those kind of undertone meetings that you're supposed to read into it. So maybe it's a little bit more historically accurate, but at the same time, I feel like she also mentioned something about the wizarding world being more kind of progressive in a lot of ways than their muggle counterparts. So yeah. Yeah. And it's her wizarding world. She can do whatever she wants. It is fictional. It's, it's filled with, fantastic creatures yeah just to go off of ken's point though i mean you see seraphina pickery an african-american female as president of makusa and when you compare that to the fact that we only elected an african-american president eight years ago here in the united states they are being uh, far more progressive in the wizarding world even in that time compared yeah. to where we are today and i do also want to say that 
in fairness and in praise of J.K. Rowling, she created a story and a fandom that welcomed all types of people. The fandom, I don't know when I would have come out as gay if it weren't for the Harry Potter fandom. It was an inclusive place. It was still hard to come out, but the people, the friends I made in the fandom, they helped make it easier. So, to her credit, while I don't agree with her choice for this movie, she has absolutely done things for the LGBT community and other communities. She created a community that is accepting of all people. Uh, let's some other comments now from people on Patreon. Morgan says, and I think Morgan's right, this could still very well happen in the second movie. I wonder if there will be some dialogue that does hint towards Grindelwald's and Dumbledore's relationship, but not explicitly. Maybe that's all Yates meant? There's definitely better ways to say it, though. Yeah, so maybe we'll get a hint. A longing stare at Grindelwald's picture. Maybe Yates should just be the one that's put on mute for a while. <laughs> right. I agree with that. <laughs> that's the title of the show, Yates on Mute. <laughs> James says, getting back to the Star Trek thing I mentioned, he said, yeah, Mr. Sulu was gay in Star Trek Beyond. He was shown to have a male partner and a daughter, but it was only for about 10 seconds. And then remember when um, Beauty and the Beast, wasn't there some, there was a hint of Lumiere being gay, right? Like it was just a glance or something. So it's like there's all these like sort of hints in these movies lately, but not something explicitly gay. And it's time to get explicitly gay. What's so funny, Micah? <laughs> just the way that you said that. LeFou, sorry, LeFou, not Lumiere, LeFou. This is why I love having the chat. People can correct me. All right, I think that's all we have to say there. In honor of Groundhog Day, we're going to do a little fun segment that Eric came up with. <laughs> By the way, still no response from Eric. <laughs> Hope he's all right. For you know, In all seriousness, this, is, this has now been, what, 45 minutes and uh, no response from him. Yeah, normally he's like 10 minutes late. Now he's 46 minutes late. That's... Uh, that's real bad. But our second sponsor this week is Blue Apron. They are the leading meal kit delivery service in the United States. And while many people know what they do, many don't know about the types of meals you eat. When you cook with Blue Apron, like strip steaks with potatoes and spicy maple collard greens, it's a steakhouse-inspired favorite with a delicious twist, chili-infused maple syrup. Mmm. With incredible ingredients and chef-designed recipes, Blue Apron lets you see what the power of food can do. I love cooking with Blue Apron because it's a box of surprises every week. You pick the meals you want delivered to your door, and the website's super easy to use, by the way. The food shows up, you have all these fresh, pre-portioned ingredients ready for you to get working with, and the best part about Blue Apron is that anyone can become an amazing chef. It feels so good to get cooking after a long day of staring at computer screens for me. After spending my whole day doing virtual things, I get to work with my hands and create something real and then eat it. I just love it. So Blue Apron is treating MuggleCast listeners to $30 off your first order if you visit blueapron.com slash MuggleCast. Check out this week's menu and get your $30 off at blueapron.com slash MuggleCast. Blue Apron is a better way to cook. And I'm just thinking now, if we had Akio in the real world, I could Akio Eric right now and... He would fly a couple miles east. He would slam against my window. That would wake him up. Or he'd fly out of Lake Michigan. 
10 feet under. God, I really hope he's not dead. It had a lot of memory charms to do. Yeah. I really hope he's not dead. It's going to be super awkward. I have to do a lot of editing (laughs) on this show. (laughs) I joke because I'm pretty sure it's not. He's not actually dead. Hung over, maybe. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. And then next episode, 355, he's going to have to explain what exactly he was doing the night before. But I guess we can read... uh, I mean, probably not going to provide as much color to uh, as he would to this uh, fantastic beast that he created for Groundhog's Day. Yeah, he came up with this segment, too. So it's a shame he's not here. But could you do it in Eric's voice, Micah? We all love your voice, but I think we'd like to hear your Eric impression. Or if not your Eric impression, do it as Southern Hagrid or another one of your great characters. Oh, wow. That's that's a lot of pressure. Jeez. <laughs> um, Putting me right on the spot here. I can't do a good Eric. I just, he doesn't like, he has his own thing for sure, but I don't really know how to impersonate it. And Southern Haggard takes a little bit to get into too. Don't want to offend people. Although I've probably done plenty of that (laughs) in this episode. So (laughs) yeah, I think you said something about God not being real or something. No, I called the Bible fictional. Oh yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's read Eric's. I'll read it in my best Eric. Okay. Okay, guys. So, for the segment, I had an idea. You know, Groundhog Day just happened. I loved that Groundhog Day movie a few years ago. Yeah, yeah, Eric, move it on. M- move along. Okay, okay, okay. So, um, the Punxsutawner. P-U-N-X-A-T-A-W-N-E-R. Let me spell that again for everybody. It's P-U-N-X-A-T-A-W-N-E-R. It's native to North America. <laughs> This woodland creature (laughs) pair bonds with another seemingly identical member of its own species. The two have a long courtship ritual, which involves chasing each other (laughs) through wormholes that exist in the dark matter of each other's shadows. So vociferously do they chase each other about two-thirds way through the winter season that muggles have not only noticed, but mistakenly propped up a pair of famous punxsutawners <laughs> and an annual festival once a punxsutawner successfully captures its partner by traveling through its shadow and emerging from the other end it mates and becomes pregnant and after a six-month gestation period gives birth to two also identical creatures <laughs> and now i'm going to give you my favorite groundhog movies groundhog this is from day. wtae pittsburgh what's that micah groundhog day let me uh, find my favorite Groundhog Day movies. and Oh, you know what? I also want to talk about Groundhog Day scenes from television shows. Eric, will you please stop? We don't want to hear that. Okay, 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 okay. okay. Lap punks a toner, native to North America. <laughs> this woodland creature pair bonds with another seemingly identical member of its own species. The two have a long courtship ritual which involves chasing each other through them wormholes that exist in the dark matter of each other's <laughs> shadows. So vociferously, dang, that's a big-ass word, do they chase each other about two-thirds of the way through the winter season that muggles have not only noticed but mistakenly propped up a pair of famous punxsutawners in an annual festival. <laughs> oh, Southern Hagger, that was great. I'm, I'm glad he joined for a little bit. That was good. That was great. It's like a whole different mica that's kind of freaky. That was me? <laughs> Ken, what is I your creature? I thought that was Ken. 
Okay, so mine is loosely adapted from some Inca mythology. I'm not a super creative person, so I had to start from somewhere. So mine was the Amaru. It's a distant cousin to the North American horned serpent, and it's a beast with the body of a serpent, the head of a puma cat, and short featherless wings that can cause it to be mistaken for a small dragon. It's located in South America and has been worshipped since the Inca Empire. The Amaru is a creature that is capable of transitioning between environments, living most of its life on land by burrowing into riverbanks. However, when it senses the oncoming monsoon rains, it takes to the water and can be swimming through the rivers in the Amazon hunting for fish. So the witches and wizards in South America celebrate the Amaru for its ability to predict the approaching monsoons, signaling the South American wizarding community the end of the dry season and the coming of the much-needed rains. That was really good. Yeah. You and Eric did some real research here for this. I like it. Keep in mind, it's loosely adapted. Feel like I so, uh, <laughs> no cultural I, I can't even appropriation that, attended. Though. Yeah. Well, so mine is the symbol S-I-M-B-O-L. Oh, really? Where'd you come up with that? The symbol. Oh. Well, and sounds, funnily sounds enough, familiar. it looks similar to a muggle podcaster. Oh. And every Saturday around 10 a.m., he rises from bed and looks out the window. And depending on how late his co-host is to the episode, determines how much longer we're going to have of the winter season and this year with somebody now 54 minutes late to the show the symbol is predicting 54 more weeks of winter you know there's only 52 weeks in a year right <laughs> well it's gonna be a super long winter micah <laughs> look i'm just telling you what what the symbol is seeing from his other podcaster it's not my fault he's this late he raises his wand in the air he yells akio and if the late podcaster comes from the east, we remove 10 weeks from the winter forecast. If he comes from the west, we add 10 weeks to the winter forecast. I just think at this point, we're probably not even going to let him on the show, right? <laughs> if, if he shows up. If he showed up right now, yeah, I would say no. No. Yeah. It's too late. It's too late. Sorry. Well, I, I like that. I like that fantastic beast. I think it's, it's well done, Andrew. Thank you. The symbol. The symbol. S-I-M, right? Yeah, S-I-M, yeah. Okay. Well, mine is the uh, Barowl. And um, this fantastic beast was actually originally discovered by Newt Scamander. It is uh, indigenous to upstate New York. And the Barowl has wings, right, as most birds do. But these barowls spend their time in the winter specifically below the ground. And if when coming above the ground, their wings change color from blue to red, it signifies the coming of warmer months. And not only that, but as this bird and his flock come from below the ground, if people are around, they engage in this dance, which is called the barumba. I haven't actually seen it in person, but I know that Newt uh, knows how to perform it. He's actually going to be putting out a single um, after Fantastic Beasts 2. And I'd be interested to see how this dance is performed. That's interesting. I, I'm going to change mine to Simbao. So Sim 
B O W L. So it's like me plus an owl combined. Symbol. Well, so I, I took that from a burrow owl, which is actually a real creature. And I just kind of combined it together like they would in Pokemon to create a burrowl. And then I wrote down this whole description and I could barely read it. So that's why I was kind of fumbling along in, in my explanation. You but wrote it on pen and paper. That's so old school. I did. I did. Well, I thought it should be clearly uh, Eric set the tone here with, with typing it in, but I thought it should be more of a surprise, you know, like it shouldn't be in the document. You should. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. So let's get to some emails and we also have some voicemails. Looking forward to hearing our listeners' voices. First of all, we did get a couple of comments about Harry Potter celebration Micah and I asked on last week's episode for people who attended if we could get their feedback. By the way, we only ran into one listener. I'm kind of bummed about that. I'm sorry we didn't run into more of you. They were waiting in line. That's probably why. (laughs) I guess so. Yeah. I guess so. Amanda sent a very long email, so I'm not going to read all of it, but um, she said that she headed down to Celebration kind of on a whim. She hitched a ride with her husband while he was at the uh, Daytona race. And she was a little disappointed with the line situation after being so impressed by Disney World's organization. They were on one night, they were sitting and waiting for the Hogwarts show to occur. This was on Friday for that new Hogwarts light show to occur. They were sitting with a bunch of other people in the park waiting for it to start. And about an hour after waiting, an employee comes up to them this whole large group of people waiting and said, oh, there would be no lights that night. And they didn't know what was going on. <laughs> so everybody left after waiting an hour plus for a Hogwarts light show to happen. That never happened. And she had received a push notification on her phone telling her it was going to happen. So that was weird. And actually, I had a similar experience. Look, I love Universal, but it was a little disorganized. Like when we were there, I believe Friday night, later that night for a press event, I was trying to figure out if the park would be open after the light show occurred. And somebody told us no. Right, Micah? An employee who was standing right there, they were like, oh, yeah, the park's only open just for the show and then it's closing down. And I was like, well, that's, I don't know if I believe that because we just walked into the Leaky Cauldron and they had tons of food available, like freshly cooked food. We end up leaving because we're tired. But sure enough, the park was open till like 1230 that night. Full. Everything was open. So that was strange. I'll read the next one, sure. From Philip, who's a longtime listener and proud patron of the show. He says, Hey guys, attended HP Celebration for the first time this year and had an absolute blast. We spent 15 hours straight in the parks um, Friday from 9 a.m. all the way through 1230. So yeah, Andrew, this this ties into what you were uh you were just saying. We visit the Wizarding World at Universal Orlando about six times a year, and this was by far the best visit we ever had. Did a little cosplay, admittedly. It was subtle. We went as Hogwarts alumni, and I was able to proudly support the green and silver of my noble house. The energy and passion from the fans was contagious, and once again proved Harry Potter fans are some of the coolest people you could ever want to meet. I'm a huge Mina Lima fan. and was able to meet them both. Went a little fanboy on them. They were so awesome and talked to me one-on-one for quite a long time, even signed and personalized all five prints I purchased at the event. Totally agree with your observations that the opening ceremony went a little too corporate. The reaction from the crowd after the announcement that the exhibit was going to Milan was lackluster to say the least. 
Fantastic Beasts had nowhere near the representation it should have had, and I can only hope they are saving it up for later celebration events. Your idea of fan-based forums like MuggleCast is brilliant. The real energy of the event comes from the fans, and amphitheater full of MuggleCast listeners would be a blast. Hope you guys... (laughs) Yeah, agree with that. Uh, hope you guys had as much fun as we did and keep up the great work. Okay. Well, thank you for that feedback, Philip. Sounds like you had a great time. So glad to hear that. Have you been to the parks, Ken? I haven't. I'm going in July. So oh, I'm looking right, forward yeah. to it. It's going to be really hot. Any yeah. main tips that I should take with me? Uh, we actually get this question a lot and we never actually answer Have some it. hot butter beer so Andrew doesn't you know, call you out. <laughs> You could probably knock everything out Harry Potter-wise in about two days. So don't feel like you have to be there for a whole week or something. Okay. Get there early because you can probably knock everything out in a day if you really wanted to. So maybe get there early, knock everything out within like six, seven hours, and then uh, spend a second day kind of re-exploring everything at your leisure. Diagon Alley, there's so much to pop in and out of. Feels like a town. Whereas Hogsmeade, it's... Just, it's just like kind of like one street, whereas Diagon Alley is like multiple streets. So um, just enjoy the ins and outs of Diagon Alley, I would say. Yeah, I feel like I'm going to want to like explore every nook and cranny and just like yeah. see everything. Yeah. The dark area of Diagon Alley, Dervish and Bangs, it's dark and cold in there. So if you need a break, just hang out in there. It's also like a hot topic, I think I said to Micah. It's so emo. <laughs> yeah, but that's a good call, especially you said uh, you may look at going during the summer months. Yeah, we're booked for July. Oh, okay. So it's going to it's gonna be hot. Yeah, definitely hit up uh, Nocturne Alley because uh, it's air conditioned over there. Yeah. Nice thing about Diagon Alley too is it's very tall. So I feel like it's a lot more shaded than Hogsmeade is. So maybe start your morning in Hogsmeade, which is probably the right way to go. You want to start at Hogwarts anyway. And then as the day gets warmer, get over to Diagon Alley where it's still going to be hot, but at least there's a lot more shade. And my only other tip would be make sure you're, um, you ride the Hogwarts Express both ways because you see a different show on the train each way. Good to know. Yeah. Ooh, we didn't mention this, Micah. We had a train car on the Hogwarts Express to ourselves with two of our friends we were with. Haley, who's a listener, we were with her. And Robin. And Robin. That was fun. I'd never been in one of those train cars before just with your own group of friends. Normally, like you have to share with a couple other people. I wanted to do something really goofy in there. We didn't. We couldn't think up something other than me laying across the seats, which was kind of gross, come to think of it. But yeah, that was a neat first time experience, just having a train car to ourselves. Yeah, it's definitely cool to do and, and would recommend, as Andrew said. I, I don't know that I've ever taken the train from Hogsmeade to Diagon Alley. Oh, should have done that for that, you. Now that you mentioned that it's a different show. Yeah, yeah, there's different stuff happening. All right. Well, Ken, hope you have a good time there. Post yeah, some pictures in fun. the. I'm looking forward to hearing the the voices on the train. Was it Hermione's voice that you guys yes. said was off? <laughs> yeah. You're going to want to jump out of the train once you hear it. All right. Here's some uh, voicemails now. Let's listen to this first one. Hey, MuggleCast. My name is Asim. I'm from New York. I've been listening since episode one. Anyway, I wanted to add to the conversation about book covers from the last episode. After the last book had come out, I was looking for other ways to keep magic in my life. And... I happened to stumble upon tarot cards. 
Time and energy previously used for book sleuthing was now used to study symbolism and the archetypes from the cards, and even learning how to do readings. I hope Laura Mallory is listening. Anyway, my favorite archetype is the magician. Traditional depiction have the magician standing with one arm raised skyward, wand in hand, and the other towards the earth. This position is often interpreted as him having mastered both divine and material energy to conjure what is needed. That's something that I would call magic. He's shown standing with relics representing all four suits from the deck, the cups, coins, swords, and wands, indicating that he has mastered the use of all four elements. This also alludes to the concept of the Deathly Hallows themselves. The moment in which we see Harry on the cover is essentially when he has become master of the Hallows and a fully-fledged wizard, exactly what the magician represents. I always wondered if Mary Grand Prix was conscious of these parallels during the design process. Anyway, let me know what y'all think. That is very interesting. I don't know how Mary Grand Prix designed the covers, like what kind of inspiration she was looking at or looking for, but that was really well-researched to seem, and thank you for sharing that. Studying tarot cards, very interesting way to expand your love for Harry Potter. All right, let's listen to another voicemail. Uh, This caller left a couple of voicemails, actually. Were they drunk? No, 2.09 p.m., 2.07 p.m., 2.11 p.m. Time means nothing. (laughs) I think he was thinking maybe like if I leave a bunch of voicemails, I'll have a higher chance of uh, having one played. getting on the show. Yeah, as if we get like tons of voicemails, but truth be told, we don't get a ton. All right, here's one of his voicemails. Hey, Mobilecasters. This is Brad again from Fargo, North Dakota. I just wanted to call and let you guys know how much I appreciate the show. Having access to old episodes is definitely awesome. I just relocated to Fargo, and I don't know many people, so getting used to a new area is kind of difficult when you don't know anybody. So you guys have definitely been helpful, um, kind of keeping me company while I am off work, and I appreciate being able to listen to your show and uh, get a few laughs and um, just listen to Harry Potter. And it's awesome. Thank you very much. And uh, I've been a long time listener. My first episode was when Jamie kept talking about prison break in episode 87 or 85 or something like that. Uh, that live show that you guys did, it was hilarious and actually encouraged me to watch Prison Break, and it was <laughs> awesome. So thanks, Jamie, wherever you are. <laughs> we all ask right, ourselves that question all the time. <laughs> uh, man, he was Jamie was obsessed with Prison Break and Wentworth Miller, who stars in that show. But thanks, Brad. I really appreciate that. MuggleCast, we're, what, 13 years old now? It's been a constant in many of our listeners' lives, so when they do move, like like Brad was just saying, it can be helpful to still have that. And it's certainly been a constant in our lives, and it's been helpful in our own moves and life changes as well. So thank you for sharing that. And in uh, one of Brad's other 30 voicemails, he asked if we're going to do Half-Blood Prince chapter by chapter. That's the one we still haven't done. I think we should, Micah. Yeah, why not? Why not? Well, Eric would object, but he's not here, so That's right. we can commit to it. Yeah, we're doing it live on air, so can't take <laughs> it back now. Is Eric reading all of it? 
Are you signing him up for that now? <laughs> well, the thing is, he has done this other podcast where they went chapter by chapter through the entire series, including Half Bird Prince. So he doesn't want to do it. But Micah and I are like, well, that's not our problem. You decided to do it on the other podcast. We're talking about our podcast, yo. You know? Exactly. You can't pull a Scholastic and just print like one new edition and then bail out on the rest of them. Right. But you know what? To clue people in into future show plans here, I've been slowly rereading the books and there are certain things that I want to discuss on the show. So I think we haven't come up with a name for it yet, but I want to start doing a semi-regular segment where we're looking at particular points in the Harry Potter series that maybe we look at in a different light now that we're older and we kind of ask ourselves, what if this scene, for example, happened differently? Or I'm finishing up Goblet of Fire right now. I'm thinking like, wow, Rita Skeeter really sucks and how irresponsible of the Daily Prophet to print these fake stories about, for example, Harry and Hermione's relationship. So stuff like this I want to look at again now that we're older. So I think that would be fun. More to come in the future. Here's one more voicemail. Hey, MuggleCast. It's Jenny from Dallas. Been listening for a long time. Love the show. I just had a thought. I'm rereading the books and listening to you guys and a few other podcasts. But Dumbledore talks about always using Voldemort's name and very you know, specific about using his name, always using his name. I know in the flashbacks, he calls him Tom. Why doesn't he still call him Tom Riddle? It's just bugged me for a while and specifically with this reread. So love to know your thoughts and I'll be listening for an answer. Have a good day. Bye. Why does he not call him Tom Riddle anymore? He doesn't recognize who he wants to <laughs> The nose is missing. <laughs> no, I, but doesn't he do that in Order of the Phoenix? He says it was foolish of you to come here tonight, Tom. Yes. I always thought, and again, it's it's been a while since I've reread the series, and and I need to. I've, I've probably seen the movies way more times than I've read the books, honestly. But I remember in the series, the book series, that Voldemort being Tom Riddle was, was not as explicit as it is in the films. For example, at the end of Goblet of Fire, or was it the beginning of Order of the Phoenix? I, I forget. When... Dumbledore is addressing the students. He he calls out Tom Riddle specifically. And and I, for whatever reason, when reading the books, remember that it was a well-kept secret that Tom Riddle was actually Voldemort until later on in the series, at least publicly. So you're saying Dumbledore didn't really want to get into the fact publicly that he used to be Tom Riddle. I think so. And, and you know, people who are listening right now or can feel free to jump in, but I for some reason, I remember that. Maybe I'm just making it up in my head. No, I kind of do remember it that way, too, that it was such a close-kept secret because he was trying to unravel Tom Riddle's history, but I could be mistaken. In terms of him saying it was foolish of you to come here tonight, Tom, that is, I think, putting Tom Riddle slash Voldemort in his place, right? That That's Dumbledore not speaking down to him, but reminding him of where he came from, reminding him of, of their history. Yeah, it's like that's a what it was. It's a teacher thing. Yeah, not only that, but if you were to say that Voldemort and Tom Riddle were one and the same, 
you also then have to look at Tom Riddle's history and the fact that he wasn't pure blood, yet this was what he was preaching as Voldemort. And so when you think about all the different families that he recruited to his cause as Death Eaters, these were all pure blood families, but yet Voldemort slash Tom Riddle is not, right? He's, his father was a muggle. So if that got out, if that was made public, it kind of undermines everything that Voldemort stands for because he, he'd be completely hypocritical. So I think that was part of it. All right. Well, hopefully that answered your question, Jenny. Hopefully you're enjoying the reread of your books, the books as well. Hey, Micah slash Eric, it's time for uh, Quizage. All right. So, uh, oh, wait. What? He didn't put in a new question. No, there oh, is. Oh, yes, he did. Sorry. He Sorry. did. He did. He did. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, this is actually two weeks ago uh, we asked this question. We didn't do Quizich last week. Uh, Andrew and I were, as mentioned, in Orlando for the uh, celebration. Uh, so, we forgot to uh, to do Quizich at the end. But Eric posed the question back on episode 352. What character do we know that was chosen by all four Ilvermorny houses? And uh, the answer to that is Serafina Pickery, who we also mentioned earlier on in this episode. And we have a few winners to call out. Eric explicitly wants to state that uh, Jess B on Twitter cheated because she answered during the live stream. So clearly Eric has very strict rules for this game. And then Anders Drew, Rebecca Jones, Crystal, Victoria Rose, Lindsay Mack, Aiden, The Lady Ash, Dawn Ivers, Tate Anderson, Felicia Grogan, Kate K, and at Nettie underscore Spaghetti. Congratulations to all of – that's you, Andrew? No. I just said it was a fun name. Oh, fun name. I thought you said that's my name. Oh. Serafina Pickery. Perfect Pickery. Getting put in all four Ilver Morning Houses. There you go. So this week's question. So Jess B, do not answer during the live stream. Or something. I can't say what Eric's going to do because I don't know where the hell he is. This week, in Chapter 10 of Half-Blood Prince, The House of Gaunt, Hermione is seen working on an essay entitled Principles of Blank. Please fill in the blank. By the way, um, I wanted to mention that Universal listened to our episode last week and Mike and I kept bringing up the door slamming, the door slamming, which apparently didn't come through on the recording. But Universal was like, oh... Guys, I'm so sorry to hear about the door slamming. Uh, next time you're down here and you need to record, you can use our recording studio. <laughs> I'm like, oh, well, that'd be fun. Good to know. But it really, it really wasn't a problem. We were just kind of having fun on the show. <laughs> but it was very nice of Universal to do that. They're always very accommodating. And we're glad that they want to have MuggleCast down there. And uh, actually, speaking of people who listen to the show, the team behind those... Uh, Harry Potter live concerts are interested in setting up an interview on MuggleCast with the creators of the Harry Potter film concert series. So look forward to that in the weeks and months ahead. Fun to have them on the show to hear how they make that magic happen. Right. I would say that that's a really cool experience that I would I would recommend to all of our listeners. You have the opportunity and, and they're touring internationally with this. If you're able to go see a film that's uh, set to the music of the Potter series. I thought the the Orlando Philharmonic was was really really cool to listen to uh, last weekend, and and can't say enough about that. So, you know, if it's coming to your city, we'll we'll share the the link to the schedule in our show notes and and let you guys uh, check it out. But 
They're going to a lot of different places over this next year, and it's definitely worth checking out. And they're only doing the first four movies right now, but they're going to eventually move on to the rest of the series. So that's pretty cool as well. You can collect them all if you really want. Yeah, like Pokemon. Yep. Pokemon gets so much promotion on this show. I feel like we need to like strike a deal there. <laughs> I mean, it's like a cultural institution, so I don't know if we really owe them anything. I think they're doing fine whether or not we talk about Pokemon. That's true. But you can look forward to Harry Potter Wizards Unite, hopefully coming later this year. That's true, too. We're also going to probably have an interview with uh, the creators of Harry Potter Hogwarts Mystery when... Ever that is released. Ken, I hope you had a good time on the show today. Thanks for joining us and ending up filling in for Eric. <laughs> My pleasure. If he doesn't ever return, you can just take over full time. You are, you are good. Good replacement. Perfect. I look forward yeah. to it. <laughs> and thanks for indulging my uh, Super Bowl uh, discussion earlier in the show. My dad will be happy, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> finally talking about football. Yeah. So thanks for coming on and thanks for your support. We really appreciate it. Just a couple plugs here. Please check out MuggleCast.com for everything you need about the show. We have a new advertiser deals page, by the way. If you, you hear our promos on the show, if you forget the codes or the links, just go to MuggleCast.com and there's a new link at the top called Advertiser Deals and you can get them all. And they all stay active as far as we can tell. So even if we didn't add a few months ago, like maybe BarkBox or Casper canvas people or casper yeah they're all still active so feel free to um get discounts on products that we love yeah i think the real reason andrew that you created this page is because like every couple weeks i'll I'll send andrew a text message and i'll and i'll say hey uh what's the code or the link you asked about casper last i did i asked about casper i think i've asked about canvas people before that yeah so this page was really made for me but Hopefully, you all benefit from it as well. And I, I try to talk with Micah as little as possible. So, I'm trying to cut out all the times, you know, uh, as much as I can, my talk time with him. So, I made this page just for you, Micah. Thank you. In the code, I, I hid a little text in the HTML. <laughs> Damn it, Micah. <laughs> what does it say? It says, Damn it, Micah. Oh, Damn it, Micah. Yeah. <laughs> If you want to support us a different way, we have our Patreon, patreon.com slash MuggleCast. You get lots of benefits over there, including a live stream. Thanks to everybody who joined us on this Saturday morning. And uh, thanks to Ken, who has been a Slug Club supporter. We appreciate it. And here's hoping we see Dumbledore the way J.K. Rowling made him to be in a future film, right? Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Micah. And I'm Ken. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.